this. Oh, and the recording is starting. Very good. All right. It is uh, January 12th, Friday, 2024. Um, it's become my habit to put a date stamp on the beginning of all my uh, classes. Um, so, yeah, I just start, start the year together and just, you know, it's... It's a critical time in the sort of, shall we say, that the the addict year, if there is such a thing, you know, there are certain moments we we identify as uh, particularly challenging, like the holidays, and then uh, lots of people, of course, kind of get sober or try to get sober in January, and and uh, of course, you know, many of us have resolutions of various sorts so this is certainly a good time to um make a decision to you know if you don't have a regular meditation practice to to do that uh, to start the year and to sustain that um i actually just started working with a uh, personal trainer this week which is very out of character for those who know me that i hate exercise uh but uh you know, someone encouraged me to do it, a friend. And uh, so that's been really interesting because um, I said to the guy, like, I'm really disciplined with meditation. Like, I meditate every day. I'm not disciplined with exercise, but I think I could be, you know. It's like, I'm, so I'm trying to carry over that kind of discipline uh, that I have for my meditation practice into my little, little exercise routine. In any case, we will... Um, We'll start with a 30-minute meditation period, uh, which I'll, I'll give a, a fair amount of guidance on, on meditation for you guys. Um, and then uh, I, I usually like to have some Q&A about meditation. And then uh, and I'll give something, probably a, a pretty informal talk. I, I don't have a big, you know, agenda tonight. Um uh, I do kind of want to, um, I've been th writing about and working on a project about about the 11th step, which is sort of sounds, if you know my work, sounds kind of redundant, which I suppose in a way it is. But, um, but it, it's been interesting to go back and look at the original writing and Bill Wilson's writing about the 11th step and then, and then try to draw comparisons and contrasts uh, with with Buddhist practice, and see see where that gets us. So I'm thinking uh, that that we'll talk about that tonight. Um, for many years, this class has been going on for many years, uh, probably less than twenty, but at least fifteen. Um, and uh, and for many years, I would just kind of like do the step of the month, but I, eventually I got to, sort of tired of that, so. Uh, I'm not going to start with step one. I'll, at least I don't think I am. Uh, uh, it might come in a little bit. I think step one is always, always relevant. In any case, uh, let's let's start with sitting, and um, and so you know one of the oddities of Zoom is that you're everyone is in their own space, and so um, you know you have to determine what's the most uh, effective way for you to sit, but just to encourage you to 
sit upright, uh, find a stable sitting posture. Um, and maybe I'll start with the, a bell just to get us off to a kind of official start. And you can close your eyes or just lower your gaze, turning the attention inward. And so we'll begin by just connecting with the body and the breath. Feeling, just in a general way, the, the movement and touch of breath. And feeling the touch of air at the nostrils. Or if it's easier for you, just tuning into the movement of the belly, the diaphragm with the breath. This is just a, a simple way to bring our attention into the present moment through the mindfulness of the body, feeling how you're holding the body, noticing any strong sensations, And then noticing the more subtle sensations. With mindfulness, start to discover this range of experiences starting with the body. we turn towards this experience, we see that there's always a whole range of sensations happening in the body. You can move the attention, scan through the body to just notice some of these sensations might feel the, the aliveness of the face, 
energy in the cheeks, eyes, and move down to the shoulders and the chest, the movement of the diaphragm and the belly. Explore the sensations in the back, down through the pelvis, the hips, the legs, the feet, arms, hands. There's really no way we have to particularly go in this exploration just to notice this whole range. It's a way of grounding the attention, remembering that we have a body, that we are alive, that it's the life of the body that sustains us. We can get so absorbed in the head and the, the mind and the thoughts that we forget about this more basic, more fundamental aspect of our life. Just relaxing into the body, letting the body soften. Continuing to feel the breath in the body. And then turning in and noticing if there's any mood or emotional state going on. So this can be felt in the body as well. So feelings show up in the, in the chest, in the belly, other parts, right? Sometimes a tightness in the jaw, the eyes. So breathing and feeling the emotions in the body. Might not even think of it as emotion, but almost just an energetic state. Call it the feeling tone, another term. Describe this quality. Just a, a partner of the body and really the, the bridge between body and mind. This feeling. It's not verbal. 
It's not entirely physical either. We often get caught in thinking about feelings without actually feeling, just stopping at the at the door of feeling, just feeling it without taking it into a story or identifying, naming, analyzing, but just feeling. If we keep a certain amount of attention on the breath, we can stay present, tend not so much to get lost as we start to explore other elements of experience. Breathing with the body, breathing with feelings, Breathing with the mind, awareness, awareness contains experience of the body and feeling, but it's something else, it isn't the same as those things, even more subtle than, than the feeling, is this awareness. We start to see that the breath and the body and the feelings and thoughts are all happening in this space of awareness. And this can give us a sense of spaciousness, a sense of not identifying so much with the experience, just seeing them as things as objects that pass through awareness. They don't belong to us. My body is not me, it is not mine. Feelings are not me. They're constantly changing, I don't control them. Thoughts are not me or mine, just come and go. All of this in awareness itself, which is also not me or mine. Mindfulness helps us to take this perspective of just observing, not being caught, not identifying with these elements of experience.
we're encouraged to see all of this as just a process. Life appearing, manifesting these different aspects, body, feeling, mind, thoughts, You don't have to analyze that. If the mind gets busy and we lose touch with this simplicity, that's okay. It's just what the mind does. Whenever you notice that, see if you can let go, come back, start again with the breath and the body. Nothing more is needed. natural for the mind to wander, for the body to become restless. Our practice is just to come back. To keep coming back in the language of 12-step meetings. We're not striving for some perfect meditative experience. But with consistent effort, clarity comes. A certain amount of calm come 
this may pass as well. The key is to be undisturbed by the coming and going.
Notice the quality of effort. Is there striving or judging? If so, trying to bring more gentleness and kindness. On the other hand, we can become passive, sitting without really paying attention, just trying to relax and really not being engaged. We're trying to find that middle way, the effort that's engaged without grasping, without striving. And it takes mindfulness to see this and like everything else the quality of effort will continue to change we're tracking that adjusting to that
It's been it's been a while since I've uh, led this class. Actually, it didn't occur to me. I remembered when we were meditating that um, I went on a long retreat this fall, uh, six weeks. Seemed long. <laughs> uh, and so I missed the November class. And then I got back a few days before the December class. And I just decided that I wanted to, not, to ease back into the world slowly. So I asked Will. Walt Opie to lead that class. And I, I hope you guys got to attend uh, some of those. Um, but um, yeah, I got to um, take a deep dive into my meditation practice, um, which is certainly interesting. Um, but yeah, before I uh, go anywhere, I just want to see if there are any questions, uh, particularly about meditation, really anything anybody wanted to ask about. Um, and I see there is a virtual raised hand, sort of thinking about the, the 11th step. And, um, and tr I'm, I'm trying, I'm thinking about sort of putting together maybe a book, uh, you know, because that's just what I do. And I love to write and, um, and it's interesting to talk about, uh, I, I mean, I'm very interested in, in meditation, both as a, a method and as a non-method. Um, so maybe, maybe I'll start there, but I'd, I'd like to talk a little bit about Bill Wilson's approach, uh, as I sort of suggested before. But that in on this retreat I was on in the fall where, it was a long retreat, and on long retreats, this question of of method and and technique and what what am I doing, you know, uh, you know, becomes more uh, becomes more to the foreground uh, because you know when you're when you're going into the meditation hall six or seven or eight times a day and sitting down after a while. It can get really uh, tedious. It can get boring, you know. And and um, you know, you you can kind of lose your motivation because it's like, what's you know? I'm just doing the same thing over and over. And interestingly, I was working with a particular form in this retreat, which is. Uh, I mean, in in the literature, in the Buddhist literature, it's called mindfulness of breathing, but it's much more than that. It's a sort of 16-step process that goes through, it has four steps on the body, four steps on feeling, four steps on mind, and then four steps on what I'm just calling the big picture, and basically on impermanence. And so it, I had this this very structured form that I was working with, that I've been reading, studying and practicing and reading about and writing about for the last two or three years. And and part, really my big motivation for going on this retreat was to try to take hold of that practice. It's called Anapanasati, just means mindfulness of breathing. I wanted to kind of take hold of it and and see 
if I could, how deep I could go with it, where where I could go with it. And after a couple of weeks, what came to me was that the method what that was to being seemingly being described here was not actually a method. <laughs> was not a was not what I was calling thinking to myself it's not a prescription for how to meditate. The Buddha's not really telling you how to meditate, although you can read it as that, but what he's really doing is he's describing what happens when you meditate <laughs> if you just sit so it's if you just sit a lot, <laughs> you know, and yeah, if you use, you know, yeah, using the breath, but it doesn't even have to be the breath. Any, any thing, if you just focus on something or try to have the mind be present for hours and hours, for days and days, what naturally happens is that you become very aware of your body and you become, you start to tune into this felt experience, the, the feeling world. And you start noticing the mental activity. And you start to notice that all of that is happening within your awareness. And eventually you see, oh, it's all impermanent and it's all empty. Now that's when I say eventually, I mean really eventually. It takes time, right? Uh, and and But what struck me was I've been studying this sutta for a couple of years and trying to understand it better. But what I realize now is that I've touched all of this before. All of these aspects of my meditation experience have been part of my experience over the last 40 years. But I had never had them seen them in this system and and seen seen that wherever i am in my meditation i can if i just kind of pull out for a moment and say well what's going on right now i can point to exactly where i am in that process so that was uh quite a fascinating uh thing to uncover and and I, and I actually you know this is my actually then probably the next book I'm going to publish on this topic and and it's it's something that um I found really really helpful um because when we sit down to meditate certainly for me for many years whether it was a pleasant experience or an unpleasant experience, it all seemed a little bit disconnected, like there were different things that happened. And so they would maybe group them in different categories. But now I actually see it all as a, a very natural system. I'm not sure how that if that exactly brings me back to... Um, Bill Wilson, but I'm going to take myself back to Bill Wilson uh, because, you know, literally the first time I walked into an AA meeting in 1985, I was already sober, for like a couple weeks sober. And I, like pretty much everybody who goes to AA, 
I didn't want to be there. I was just there because I wanted to stay sober. And I thought that probably people in Alcoholics Anonymous had some kind of uh, information or something that might help me. And sitting in that meeting, they had the steps up there on those scrolls that they had sometimes put out at meetings. And I was reading through them and I was like, I don't know what the hell this stuff is. Inventories and God and amends. Then I saw step 11. And I was already a meditator. And in fact, I was a great, <laughs> I believed in meditation. And I thought uh, there had been one time when I thought meditation was going to fix me. But by then, I knew that it wasn't because uh, I had bottomed out after I got into meditation. And uh, so I realized, okay, meditation isn't a fix, but there it is. So, you know, maybe these people have a clue. <laughs> it's kind of what I thought, you know, like, uh, I don't know what they're talking about the rest of it, but at least they know something about meditation. So, you know, I'll, I'll hang out. But, you know, when you look at step 11, it says we sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. <laughs> Very complicated step, actually. And actually, it's ironically, it's the step that has the most words in it <laughs> from any of the 12 steps. But if you the step itself, and then if you read what Bill Wilson says, you realize it's not really about meditation in Buddhist terms. It's about finding out what God's will is. We sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry it out. So what you're trying to get from, the, from prayer and meditation, apparently, is knowledge of God's will and the power to carry out that will. Well, you know, as a Buddhist, and, and I don't even really like to call myself a Buddhist because there's too much baggage. But as uh, I'll just say as a non-theist, and as a Buddhist practitioner, that just didn't make any sense to me. You know? Like, <clears throat> I never meditated in order to get some information or to get some guidance or, or even to get power. You know, I meditated. I didn't, I have to say, I mean, early, when I first started to meditate, I, it was with just some deluded idea of getting some to bliss. But but I think under underneath that, and I think this is true for almost everybody who comes to meditation, there was a wish to have some peace, to have calm, to have just to be serene, right? Tranquil. These are the kind of words that really kind of ring true for me, like ah, oh, tranquility, that's a good word, you know. Serenity. And you know, and there was this prayer that said, you know, grant me the serenity. So I thought, okay, maybe, you know, we're pointing in that direction. But, you know, my friend Abigail, who was here tonight, recently sent me, uh, hi, Abigail, sent me 
uh, uh, something Bill wrote, Bill Wilson, the founder, one of the founders of AA, in 1958, was it, or 54? But anyway, in The Grapevine, which is the AA newsletter, where he was writing more about meditation. And and he was, he was really saying a lot of the, in fact, more of the same stuff that he said in in the big book in 1939 or whenever it was published. And, and it's kind of like you couldn't get off that hobby horse, you know, of, you know, if you just keep, even if you don't believe in God, if you don't believe in prayer, if you just do it enough, then you'll believe in it. And I'm like, dude, like, like try another, like, like, have you got another idea? Like that, that's not really inviting to us who are not theists, you know, as you know, many people know, like the we agnostics chapter in the big book is like, you know, it's fine that you're agnostic. You're welcome here, but you know, hang around long enough and keep praying and meditating and, and you'll get over it. It's like, no, no, that's not, that's not a good answer. That's, and, and it's, so, what struck me particularly, because I've read a little, you know, a friend of mine wrote a book about Bill and that and and some other people, Aldous Huxley, and about the experience Bill Wilson had with LSD, which was around the same time that he wrote this article. And I thought, like, how could you take acid? <laughs> and this is still all you get out of meditation. Like, you're not... like. You really need a guru, dude. <laughs> like, and you know the thing is, like, I have so much gratitude for Bill Wilson. I mean, this guy, like, he transformed the world, you know. But it's kind of like Chuck Berry, you know, if you'll pardon the analogy. I mean, Chuck Berry changed the the world of lead guitar, right? Like, he invented something on the guitar that just. Phew, Every guitar player since then is like, we stand on his shoulders, right? But he didn't, you know, It you had to wait for Jimi Hendrix for the next thing. You know, it wasn't like, so I think Bill did what he could, but you can't expect him to then have been, become like a guru or some, you know, he, he had this huge spiritual breakthrough that that opened up the idea of freedom from addiction, Uh but he he couldn't take it kind of the next step. And it's interesting that he admits in that article, Abigail, it was interesting, right? How he admits that he really can't meditate and that he talks about like, there's people who really get a lot out of it and they tell me it's great, you know, and I wish it worked for me, but it, I can't really do it, you know? So, so it's a little frustrating. So, you know, then to, to go back then to what he writes in the 12 and 12, of course, Anybody who's familiar with the twelve step literature knows that you know he he draws upon the uh saint francis prayer uh and and he suggests that you you know sort of reflect on the saint francis prayer so that's you know that's a beautiful prayer and it's it embodies many buddhist principles uh you know generosity uh compassion and particularly letting go of self like where it says the the line about um, dying, you know, it's through dying that we're born into the eternal life. I'm not 
getting the words right. I, forgive me, I don't have the book and I don't have it memorized. But but this is you know very much pointing to the, the the same term that Buddhists use, the deathless. That when we are present, when we are fully present, then there is a, a time is sort of disappears. Time, you know, the construction of time becomes irrelevant, and we're just um, alive. And there is sort of eternity in the in the present moment. But of course, what Bill Wilson is saying is that we should use this as a contemplation. And so, again, he he doesn't know anything about what Buddhists would call meditation. He doesn't know about mindfulness or concentration. He doesn't know about pointing the attention to something like the breath. And there's so much, you know, you you really kind of want to go back and say, Bill, I, I'd love to be able to, you know, have him come to a class and we could, you know, because it'd be interesting. I'm sure he'd be a good meditator if he put his mind to it. But there's such a shortcoming. And, and of course, this is, I'm noticing that I use this, this of course, a lot. I, I need to watch watch that. So, let me put it another way. I recognize that his failing, if I can call it that, which is actually not a very fair, is just say the the limitations of his understanding of meditation is what made my uh, job. It's what created my job, made the space for my job. So, so I can be grateful to him for creating an opportunity for me to uh, to carry on what what he started and to and to hopefully take people further into what he was pointing to, which clearly he he had a sense of, he had an inkling of it. You you can taste it, you can smell it, you know, you can feel it in his words that he's 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 grasping at it. He's he's hungry for it, but he can't quite find it, and it's really because of the the beauty. Of the and the brilliance of the Buddha's uh, understanding of the mind and the Buddha's understanding of meditation, that uh, that we have, so, that we can take what Bill was pointing to and really embody it more fully, um, and ma- and make it into this really rich practice that that we get to do. Which then, then starts to draw from compassion and loving kindness, uh, points to generosity, to uh, appreciation, appreciative joy, to equanimity, and, and this whole world uh, of mind and spirit, of mind and heart and mind, opens up, and it, it's all kind of just there in this uh, sort of. Uh, I'm going to say like um, embryonic way in the in the thoughts and words of Bill Wilson, um, you know. So uh, I do feel it's very strange. I mean, uh, this year, if I make it to June, I'm 39 years sober, and so uh, it it uh, as it occurs to me that it's very possible that I will. I will get to be 40 years sober, <laughs> uh, which, which to me is a pretty significant mark. But it's, I mean, this is a personal 
reflection that in that first meeting, I did have this inkling that, that I had this path in front of me. And I, I didn't know that this was going to happen, that it would unfold this way, but but I, I, I wanted very quickly and within, within the first couple of years of sobriety, I really, I started to share with my friends about the Dharma. And I, and I actually started a, uh, helped start a men's meeting that was meditation oriented. And, and I kind of, yeah, I, I had this longing right away. Oh, this is like, this sobriety thing is so great. And, you know, if these people just knew how to meditate and I know how to meditate, you know, I, I was not a teacher and I didn't know how to teach it, but I, I kind of, I guess, uh, sort of intuited that, that this was a possibility. Um, so it's, it's interesting, you know, as I'm, you know, here at this, this juncture so many decades later, to see that 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 did come about, and and um, you know, I'm, I'm really grateful for that. But let me come back <laughs> um, from that moment of personal reflection, uh, because you know Vanessa's question then is is an interesting one in this context, because. As we see, you know, the Buddha does have this brilliance in terms of, you know, uh, how to meditate. And Buddhists in general, I mean, you know, over these 25, 2600 years, you know, many different meditation practices have been developed and you have Zen and then you have, you know, Tibetan visualizations and, and uh, you know, Chinese pure land and you have uh, Burmese you know, Mahasi Sayadaw's practices and the, um, so that there's just this abundance of methods, of methodologies that are really, that can be very helpful. But as I was saying to Vanessa, there's, there's something for me, it's I would say beyond that, uh, beyond the method, uh, and I think that's that's fair. Is to realize that there is this natural mind that we're actually trying to get in touch with, and here I might say that maybe we here we do come into a kind of merging with the words of Step Eleven because. What well, I wouldn't say that. Of course, I wouldn't put it in theistic terms of saying God's will and the power to carry that out. I would say that through this, it's it's a quite natural process that as we settle and settle and settle, the mind opens up and clarity and wisdom do arise quite organically. You you don't sort of extract wisdom, extract insight out of your meditation. You sit, and a kind of clarity comes, and a kind of understanding comes. And it it's it's not always it's not like oh you're sitting and like 
you know, the words pop into your brain. Oh, I've got it now. It's, it's much more organic than that. And, and very often, you know, my own experience with insight is that many times I did not realize what I had, what I knew until I heard it explained by a teacher like that. And so I I can remember like picking up a book and, and reading it and going, Oh yeah, I, I get that because I've experienced it. And you can read a book that tells you stuff that you haven't experienced and you can understand it intellectually but there's another knowing, right, called insight that where you you read it and you go, oh no no I know, no I know that I've been there I've had that experience oh oh I guess I do have insight so it's 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 a strange thing I I don't understand it <laughs> but this is uh, what comes with time and and it it really is just a matter of time and you know I was thinking, you know, on this, on a long retreat, you know, it's the, it's the time that really makes the difference. I mean, that's sort of obvious, but, um, you know, one of the things that you see is that when you sit for an hour, something different happens from when you sit for 30 minutes. And, in these classes, we sit for 30 minutes, so we get 30 minutes worth, which is valuable, really good. Um, but but it's really the showing up and and and, and sustained practice that, that makes things happen. And it isn't the form, but it's to me, it's the time. And the time is an expression of of commitment as well. but but what I really want to point out, in terms of, again, bringing together Buddhism and the and recovery, not necessarily the 12 steps, but recovery, sobriety, being clean, being abstinent, is that it's also time that is held out as the key expression of and measure of our recovery. And I would say that, uh, so, so if I, if someone says to me, oh, I went on my first meditation retreat, the first thing I'll ask them is, how long was it? I won't say, well, were you able to get concentrated or did you have a lot of, you know, sleepiness or did you have a lot of thoughts? No, that doesn't matter because I know all of that's bound to happen. But if you, I know that, I'm going to know where how deep the retreat was for you by how long it was. And it's the same thing that I ask somebody, oh, I'm sober. Well, what's the first thing you ask them? Well, how long? And it's not, you know, if somebody's got 30 days, you kind of go, okay, I have some idea where you are. If they say two years, yeah, okay, I have some idea where you are. If they say 10 years, okay, I have some idea. You know, it's it's just through the... It's not that I say, oh, you've got 10 years sober. Well, have, have you gotten angry during that time at all? Or have you, you know, ever wanted to have a drink at that time? Because I'm not going to really respect you or think that you're real. it's really valuable if you've 
you know, lost a job or got divorced during that time. It's like, no, of course we don't. We assume life goes on. Life is difficult. Meditation is difficult, you know, but it's when we can sustain it and that the, the benefit comes, that the, the, the value comes. Um, it's, you know, it kind of points to, I mean, there's something very essential about this, that, that it's, I mean, it's really a cliche. It's like time is the is the one thing that can't be replaced, and and um, you know, it's why we kind of value longevity in life, right? It's it's all we have. Um, but you know, we live in a culture, particularly, and maybe humans have always been like this, but we certainly at this time live in a culture of speed and the demands for immediate results. And of course, addiction is very much a demand for an immediate result. And, you know, the, the spiritual life, recovery, meditation, any kind of spiritual growth is not something that you can dial up or that you can download. <laughs> you know, it's it's something that takes just time and, and showing up and putting yourself there and, and trusting in a process. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I will always be grateful as much as, you know, I've had my arguments with Bill Wilson and, you know, with, with the 12 step world, I'll, I'll always be grateful for, for what that, what, what that laid out for us. And the, this, this, at least as a starting point, what I got from that, you know, I had a conversation with a, a friend, um, last week about um, about people resisting going to a 12-step program. And, and um, you know, I kind of came to this conclusion that what's great about 12-step programs is nobody wants to go there. And you only will show up there if you're absolutely determined. And it's kind of an indicator, you know, are you willing to do this? <laughs> you know, and it, and it doesn't mean you have, you have to make your whole life be about that, but, but there is some value to surrendering to that, you know, that, because if, if recovery is anything, it is a huge, huge surrender. It's giving up the thing you love, your identity around it, it's giving up, it's a lot about ego. And, you know, there's nothing quite so unappealing as admitting you're powerless and turning your will and your life over to God and writing an inventory and sharing it with somebody. None of that is appealing. And it's it's just uh, the willingness to do that, I think, um, is just one of the things that, that really shows... Uh, someone's potential for recovery and 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 this is not to suggest that there aren't other ways there are there are other ways but so it isn't to me the 12 steps uh 
it's that determination. It's that willingness. And if you bring that willingness to any recovery process, you'll be fine. You know? uh, but it's, if we're holding back anything, if we're still, if there's some part of me that I'm not willing to let go of, or some part of my behavior or my beliefs about my addiction or, you know, whatever the issue is that I'm kind of holding back and I'm like, well, yeah, but I can going to keep this part. It's going to be hard to, hard to have it really uh, come to any success or fruition. So I, I hope these words are of some benefit and value tonight. Um, I think we can, we have a little bit of time left if anyone wants to chime in. I, I did want to point out as people are considering whether they want to ask something, um, that there is, uh, that I am starting a six week, uh, living kindness course on Tuesday, uh, this Tuesday for the, um, Barry Center for Buddhist Studies. And it, I think you should be able to see it in the chat, but, um, I will, stick it in there again, just in case it's not showing up. And this is based on my book, Living Kindness. So um, exploration of the practice of loving kindness and its implications. Um, and then the other thing I had in there is uh, the retreat that's happening. This is a, an in-person retreat that Living Kindness is an uh, online class. We have an in-person retreat February 27th to March 3rd in Northern California. There are a few beds still available for that retreat. So um, so anyone want to chime in or correct me? I also take complaints if I said anything that's disturbed anybody. I, I, I tend to uh, speak pretty freely and sometimes things slip out that are uh, unintentionally um, either disturbing or annoying or unskillful. So uh, I'm not I'm not asking for criticism, but you know if there's anything anybody needs to say, but uh, or any thoughts, I'm happy to hear from anyone. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.